in the last service, I started this message on the purpose of pain. And now I want to pick up on that message and I want to preach a message called how to handle pain, how to handle pain. Last service, I preached alongside of Bishop T.D. Jakes and Stephen Furtick and the three of us. And I also started off with Billy Graham. Come on. It doesn't get better than that. You got Billy Graham, T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, yours truly, Paul David Doherty, preaching hope to you. But we talked about why God uses pain. God doesn't cause pain, but how God uses pain to draw us closer to him and how to make pain work for you rather than living in the misery of pain, how to make pain really develop your character and strengthen you, how to let the pressure push you closer to Jesus. All of us are going through pain. All of us are experiencing our own type of pain in this pandemic. And at times it kind of feels like, man, I, I wish I could just figure out when this is gonna be over and how long is this painful season gonna last? And, and some of you, you're going, oh, it's not painful, it's fine, it's easy. But there's a lot of people who've been laid off from work and for them, the pain is economic pain. It's financial pain. There's a lot of people who've had loved ones who've died during this time. And so for them, it's, it's that pain of missing their loved one, missing their father, their grandmother, their, their daughter. And, and then there's people who've gotten sick during this time. So it's the, the pain of just feeling physically unhealthy and just waking up, trying to figure out when is this physical pain going to leave? But all of us face pain and pain is inevitable through life. Jesus said in John 16, you will have trouble. You will have difficulty. Just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean we get out of a, uh, we have a get out of pain free card, get out of trouble free card. But Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world. And what we've got to understand is in the midst of pain, there's an invitation from God to develop a, a more intimate relationship with Jesus. There's an invitation from God in the midst of pain to discover how great his grace is. And in the last service, Furtick, he said, we've got to change our prayer. We've got to stop praying for pain to just leave and for us to, you know, just escape pain. And we've got to start praying, Lord, use this pain to draw me closer to you. Use this pain for your glory. Use this pain to develop a greater perseverance in my life. James chapter one, verse two says, brothers and sisters in Christ, consider it pure joy when you face pain of any kind, troubles of any kind, difficulties. How are we supposed to consider it joy when we're going through pain? Whether it's losing a job, losing a loved one, waking up and not knowing what, what the next day holds, not being able to control when you get to go back to work and, and wondering, how am I gonna get through this? How am I gonna homeschool my kids? How am I gonna face all this? And James says, in the midst of that, it's an opportunity to grow. And I wanna talk to you today about how to handle your pain. I'm gonna pick up where I left off. And some of you didn't, most of you maybe didn't catch the 9 a.m. It's okay, this sermon will stand alone by itself. It'll speak straight to you. And what you're about to hear is a clip about how oftentimes in the midst of pain, the, the devil comes and he tempts us with coping mechanisms that rather than allowing pain to prepare us and develop a perseverance and grow our character, we try to escape the pain with addictions. Whether it's for some of you out there, it's alcohol or it's pornography or it's um, abuse, it's hurt, it's anger, it's bitterness, it's uh, drugs, it's prescription medicine that you're just taking over and over and abusing that. And the enemy comes with these coping mechanisms to try to stop us from allowing the current season we're in to really grow us in who God's called us to be. And what's so interesting is 
in this clip, you're gonna notice someone next to Pastor Stephen Furtick um, that I think is going to bring back some memories that we've seen this person before in the last few weeks. All right, so check this out, how to handle pain. And God has a significant assignment for every life represented in this room tonight. And not only does God know that, but the enemy knows that. And so the enemy comes with a choice, you know, to try to keep what God has put in you from being released and to keep you from entering into everything that he purposed for you. The enemy comes to you with a choice, with a choice, because God is not the only one who offers a choice. The enemy offers a choice. And I told, I told my man Joshua to come help me preach tonight because he's like 13. You tell by the way he... I don't know if you recognize who this young guy is, but this last week when I was preparing this message, I'm watching this and I'm watching as he's talking about how to handle pain and how the enemy tries to use coping mechanisms to deal with our pain, to get our minds off of what God wants to do. And I'm looking at this young guy and I'm going, he looks so familiar. So I call my brother, I said, does he look familiar to you? I send my brother a screenshot as I'm preparing the sermon. He goes, Paul, he played the part of Jesus in our Easter play this year. And I realized this is the young boy Joshua, who played the part of young Jesus in our Easter play this year, um, and I all of a sudden this message made so much more sense to me why it's important in this hour. I want you to see what Stephen, Pastor Stephen, does with Joshua in this moment and how the enemy tries to mess with our lives to stop us from the purpose that God has for our lives. That God's hand is on his life, and I have a 13 year old, and I've been thinking about this how. The enemy knows that God has a great purpose for you. And since he knows that, and since often the devil believes in our potential more than we believe in our own potential. Whoa, hold up. Did you hear that? The devil believes in our potential oftentimes more than we believe in our own potential. The devil knows what's on the inside of you. That's why he's trying to use this pandemic to just shove down any hope. Because once you get through this, the devil knows you are a threat to his kingdom. You are a leader. You are great. You are anointed. The potential inside you is so strong. That's why, the, listen, the enemy always attacks those who have great anointing on their life to fulfill greater purpose. When David was anointed to be the future king of Israel, all of a sudden, the spears started getting thrown at him. It was like every day, Saul was hunting him down. The enemy always tries to hunt down and, and bring so much pain and oppression and temptation against anyone he sees as a threat to his kingdom. Come on. He wants to make sure that whatever is in him is never released. So he comes with a choice. And it's not just for a 13-year-old, but you find this greatly exacerbated and really exaggerated when someone is in a formative stage. 
is that he comes with a choice, just a little choice. So if the enemy can get him to choose the wrong friends or to choose to make some decisions that at first seem like no big deal, if the enemy can get him to choose, it starts as a choice, but then it doesn't stay a choice for very long. It becomes a habit. I'm talking about chains, how, how some of us stay stuck in situations for years and years, never realizing the purpose of God in our life. And we, we stay stuck in emotional states, and we stay stuck in states of mind that keep us bound to ways of thinking. It's much worse than physical chains. It's, it's the kind of chains that, that you can't escape and you can't unlock because they're invisible chains. They, they keep you stuck in cycles of behavior. You know, at first it was a choice. Maybe he makes a choice or decision to become bitter. Maybe you make a choice or a decision to start blaming someone for something that happens to you. But before long, it's not just a choice, it's a habit. It's not just what you did one time, it's what you do continually. And now it's no longer something that you choose or even think about. Now it's not only a habit, it's automatic. It's automatic, and you don't, you don't even see how your way of thinking is affecting your way of behavior. So you keep coming to church, right? And you keep promising God you're going to do better. And you hear messages, and they inspire you. And you have moments in the presence of God where you feel free, but you go back home to the same bondages and brokenness. And you assume that what happened in the presence of God wasn't real because it didn't get in the car with you, and it didn't solve your anger, and it didn't take away your bitterness, and it didn't set you free from the patterns of behavior that started as a choice and then became a habit and then became automatic and before long you stop thinking that it's what I do and you start believing that it's your identity now it's not just what I do it's who I am I'm just an addict that's what I've always been you know, it gets down deep to the point that you no longer see it as behavior. It becomes your belief system about yourself. And you start responding out of that, who you think you are, and it becomes second nature. And you didn't even know that the whole time what the enemy was doing was trying to use your choices to create habits. I'm telling you, I've seen this, man. When God has his hand on somebody's life and he's chosen somebody like he chose Paul, the enemy fights back because he knows that if what is in you is ever released into the world around you, it will move the gospel forward. So he comes to you with a choice that becomes a habit. And now I hate what I do, but I continue to do it because it's automatic. And then here comes the shame. It tells me it's just who I am. And come here, Joshua. Before long, what I found out is that today's choices become. You got a big old wrist for 13, brother. Yeah. Today's choices 
become tomorrow's chains. Of course, it doesn't look like a chain at first. Come on now, Joshua isn't stupid. If I came to Joshua, if I came at him with a chain, he would run. Wouldn't you run? Run, Joshua. Come back, come back. So I didn't come with a chain. I came with a choice. And the reason I'm preaching this like I'm preaching it tonight is because the devil has been dragging some of you around for so long. He's been dragging you around in disappointments that you didn't get over and decisions that you made that you can't move past and ways of thinking about yourself that have become ingrained in you because you've listened more to the events of your life than the promises of God, and so he's dragging you around. And now that I've got him in chains, when God does something in his life in the future, like let's say in the future he really wants to serve God, so Joshua, go try to serve God, but I got you. It started with a choice. It started with a choice not to forgive. And then you didn't forgive one time, and so it became your operating system. And now you find yourself mad and angry and even pushing away people that love you. So you try to love. Go ahead, try to love, Joshua. You try to love, but I got you. I got you in these chains. Go ahead, try to, try to love a woman. If I can get him sexually addicted early in life, then when he tries to love a woman, he'll try to be intimate with a woman. But watch this. Go. I've taught you to see women as objects. I got you in chains. If I can get him hooked in cycles of thinking, then maybe later in life when he tries to pursue God, see, today's choices become tomorrow's chains. And I just want to ask a question. How long are you going to let this go on? How long are you going to be dragged around by something that Christ died to set you free from? I saw this picture in my mind of somebody in here, and you're not 13 anymore. You're 30, you're 40, you're 50, and you are still chained to choices that Christ already died to forgive. So Paul said, let me set the record straight. I'm not chained to who I was, and I'm not chained to what I'm going through. Paul said, the reason that I rejoice is because there's another chain, and this chain is called grace. Now I'm going to need everybody to shout for at least 15 seconds if you know there's another chain called grace. Come on, somebody. There's another chain called grace. You know, during this quarantine, during this time of being sheltered in, you know, I've been thinking about how our kids are going to remember how we handled this season. And one day they will walk out what we modeled during this time. And I pray that they don't have to go through, you know, what our world is going through right now. But we know in the Bible, Jesus said that in the last days, there will be all kinds of turmoil that goes on in the world. I believe we're in the last days. 
And I believe how we handle the pain that we're in, how we handle the difficult seasons we're in, how you handle uh, right now, those of you that have lost a job or lost hours at work, or those of you that are uh, maybe working for someone who's not handling this the right way and, and the boss is being extremely mean or you're just feeling overwhelmed, or maybe you're married to someone who's just not very kind during this time, or maybe you're at home right now and you're just trying to just get through the stressful you know, lifestyle of raising kids and doing homeschool and working and trying to pay the bills, all of that pressure and stress can cause some of us to make choices that later we will regret. And every change starts with a choice. Every addiction starts with a choice. And some of you, you've conquered habits, you've conquered addictions. And yet during this quarantine, the devil loves to just come back and say, hey, you haven't done that in a while. You haven't looked at that in a while. You haven't you haven't allowed yourself, given yourself permission to try that. It's been a long time and we've gotta be careful. And you say, well, Paul, what's, what's the harm in some of these things? The harm is that it will lead you down a path of self-destruction. It will affect your family. It will affect your destiny, your future. Little did Josh know that within the next year, God was going to use him to play a significant part in our Easter production. Actually, that was two years ago. And Josh played the part of Jesus. But, you know, I think about how the devil knows the potential inside of you. That's why he always comes with just a choice, a temptation. And we've got to be careful that we don't let pain push us into more problems that we create for ourselves by just giving into anger, giving into the frustration, giving ourselves a permission slip, saying, well, I'm so frustrated. I'm so angry at the government. I'm so angry at why things aren't going my way. I'm just going to, I deserve it. No, don't give yourself permission to use pain the wrong way. You'll regret it later. Some of us have already done it, and today's a great day to repent and say, God, break me free of these chains. I love what Pastor Furtick said in that. He said, how long are you going to let these chains hold you when Jesus already paid the price to set you free from those chains? Besides, there's another chain called grace. Watch what he says next. I am not chained to what I did. I am not chained to what I was. I am not chained to my yesterday. I'm chained to the grace of God and he will not let me go. I found a grace that is greater. So now, now, that I have the grace of God. Watch what happens, Joshua. Even if I try to get away, I'm chosen by him. How many know you're chosen by God? Identify yourself. Come if you on. know that God chose you, you didn't choose him. Well, if he chose you, knowing everything about you, what could you possibly do that would change his mind about what he spoke over you and created you for? I found out that this chain called grace is so strong that I can't get away even if I want to. I dare you, Joshua, try to get away. I mean, really try, man. Put something on it. Put something on it, Joshua. Try to get away. Come back here. See, I lift, bro. Even if I try to get away, 
Some of you have tried to run away from God and look at you in church on Wednesday night anyway. You tried, tried to get away. You tried to give up on yourself. But every time you tried to give up on yourself, something stronger was pulling you Come back. Come on, somebody. Something stronger Come was on. drawing you in. That something stronger is the grace of God. And Come he on. will not let you go. Hey. He's got you. He's got you. He's, He's got still you. got you. Come on, somebody. He sees what you struggle with, and he still got you, and he still chose you, and he still wants you, and he still needs you. You're important to his purpose because grace has got you. Come on, Jesus. I want to stop right there, and I'm going to show you another clip here in just a moment. But, you know, I think about how all of us have moments where we have tried to give up moments where we've thought about you know the other options besides obeying God besides doing what God's called us to do and I love that you're still watching online I love that you're still here because that's just a indicator that the grace of God has not given up on you even when you give up on God God doesn't give up on you even when you try to run away from God God still runs after you I love that song we sing at church oh the overwhelming never-ending reckless love of God he chases me down he chases me down David said surely your goodness and mercy they follow me David was saying that and David was not a perfect man David was a man after God's own heart, but David was not a flawless man. David was not a man who never made any mistakes. And yet he was saying, even in my mistakes, your goodness and your grace won't stop chasing me. Your grace continues to pull me, pursue me. And I want to tell you today, no matter what choices you've made, no matter how you feel right now, no matter how this pain has affected you, no matter what's going on in your marriage, your family, the grace of God is knocking on the door saying, just let me in. My grace is sufficient. My grace can help you. My grace can save you. My grace can empower you. My grace is big enough to handle your mistakes big enough to handle your personality, big enough to handle the words you wish you didn't say, the thoughts you wish you didn't think, the actions you wish you didn't take. God's grace is still knocking on the door. It never stops knocking. And maybe you're watching right now and you're going, Paul, I feel like, I feel like I've got chains. I got a chain with me on stage. And maybe you're watching and you're going, man, I just feel like I, I, I feel like this pandemic, this pressure, this pain has just, it's almost made my addictions worse. It's just made my, my attitude worse. I've made too many bad choices. Maybe you started off in this quarantine on the right path. You started reading your Bible, you started praying, you started worshiping, and you thought it was going to turn around sooner. And here you are four weeks later and you're going, it's really affecting me. It's affecting my thoughts. It's affecting the way that I trust God. It's affecting my financial security. It's affecting my relationships. The good news is there's another chain. And even though you might have a chain right now of hurt, of anger, of, of feeling ashamed, there's another chain called grace. 
And God's coming and he's saying, let me remind you that when you are weak, I am strong. And my grace is perfected in your weakness. When Paul the apostle said, I can't get out of this thorn. I can't get this thorn out of me. I wish this problem would go away. I wish this thorn would be removed. God said, the thorn's not going away, but my grace is coming strong upon you, Paul. How do you handle pain? You handle pain by asking for God's grace to be revealed and shown in your life on a greater way. Maybe you just need to do that right now. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed by the pain. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed by the pressure. Maybe you're feeling like you've got too many shame, shameful mistakes. Just close your eyes and say, God, I need your grace right now. He is ready to give it to you. Hebrews chapter four says, let us approach his throne room with boldness, with confidence. Why would Hebrews say, come with boldness if God was not going to give you the grace you need? That invitation is not just for perfect people. Hebrews chapter four is not just an invitation for those who've never made a mistake, who've never had a bad thought, who've never said a bad word, who've never uh, 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 you know, promised that they wouldn't sin and then they sinned again. That's an invitation for all of us. Let us come to God's throne room. And the throne room is not confined to an auditorium. The throne room is right there in your house, in your apartment to come and receive grace. Now I wanna show you this next clip, my next, Tag team partner is John Bevere. And John Bevere is a good friend of mine. He's been a mentor in my life. He made a video with his team to kind of show what it's like when you go through a season where the pain is so intense and you're trying to figure out, God, where are you? And how are you going to help me through this painful season that I'm walking through? God, I need you, but I can't see you. And just like we're facing an invisible enemy, we also have an invisible God. But just because he's invisible doesn't mean he's absent. Just because the invisible enemy is invisible doesn't mean that the enemy is absent. Just because our invisible God is invisible doesn't mean our invisible God is absent. Think about this, the wind outside is invisible. You can't see the wind. But that doesn't mean that the wind is not there. In Oklahoma, we see the effects of wind. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plains, the wind comes sweeping through our state, and we've seen the massive effects of wind. In the same way, you can't see God, but that doesn't mean God's not there. And I want you to watch this clip, and then I'm gonna finish out. How do we handle pain when we're not sure where God is at in the middle of it? Everybody has a hero. Okay. Mine's my dad. Yes, I get it. Since mom died, it's only been us. He has a way of filling my life with color. Dad, which one? That one. Sometimes I don't understand his advice, but I trust him. And what always brought us together was our love for running. One day, I'll be faster than him. And when I am, I'm gonna win every marathon in the world. Abby? What's wrong, champ? Or at least that was my plan. I'm losing my sight. And real quick, read to me the lowest level that you can see on there. What is called is interocular melanoma. Eye cancer. Unfortunately, you will lose your vision. That was the day my father disappeared. Okay. Dad! 
wakey. Were you to run, champ? Come on. I thought he would always be there for me. I guess I was wrong. Dad, where are you? You abandoned me. Where are you, Dad? Where did you go? Do you not love me anymore? Am I still beautiful? Are you no longer proud of me? How could you leave me when I need you the most? Dad? Dad? Dad, why did you leave me? Abby thinks I've left her. And as much as it pains me to hear that, she's right. I've left her. The best that we can do is can we save the things? actual eyes so that cosmetically she doesn't lose them. That's my girl. That's my girl. That's my little girl. There's support groups, and I know this is a very difficult time. No! I've left her to realize she's more courageous than she ever imagined. I've left her to discover how beautiful she is from the inside out. I've left her to challenge herself in ways she never considered. I've left her to discover how strong she really is. here, baby. Listen, no one believes in you more than I do. Far you've come. My dad says he gave me what I needed, not what I wanted. You ready? Yeah. Folks, what we're seeing here is amazing. This is a testament of true love. Love is allowing father. someone to see their true worth and beauty. I used to think my dreams were over. I thought I'd never run again. And even though I can't see my dad, I know he's guiding me the entire way. Wow. 
I don't know about you, but I got tears. <laughs> Man, I think about this season that we're all going through, this quarantine, and I think all of us are trying to figure out, God, what are you doing? Where are you? <laughs> What's gonna happen tomorrow? What's gonna happen next week? I've talked with pastors on the phone in the last few weeks that are just facing much more intense problems than we are here in Tulsa. One pastor, he told me, pray for my church. I'm in India and they're beating people who leave their homes. And one of my members took his own life this last week, leaving behind three little kids under the age of 10 and his wife. He had food in his house, but he lost his job and he couldn't see hope on the other side of this pandemic. Pray for our people, Paul. One pastor in New York, he said, I feel like I'm pastoring in exile because all these landlords won't take away the price of their rent and they won't erase the payments that are due at the end of the month and people are leaving by the masses, thousands, tens of thousands of people are leaving our city, New York, going back home to move in with their parents, move in with their grandparents, but then they're afraid to move in because what if they spread something? And these pastors are just saying, pray for me, pray for me, pray. And, and then I'm thinking what we're walking through here and I'm, I'm watching families pull up in masses to our drive-in services and pull around the building saying, I've never received groceries before. It feels a little embarrassing right now, but we don't know how we're gonna make it. Families pulling up in nice cars saying, I've never been to a grocery service. I've never had to, I have a job, but now I don't and I don't know what to do. And there's this uncertainty and there's this fear and there's this worry and there's this pain and how you handle pain determines whether or not you're gonna get through this on the other side with hope and with courage and with peace. And all of us are facing it. None of us are exempt. No one's exempt from pain. But I love in that video how the girl, she said, I didn't know that you were still here. I couldn't see you. Just because God is invisible doesn't mean he's absent. He is an ever present help in time of need. How do I handle pain? I close my eyes and I stop looking at the natural and I start believing in the supernatural. Even though I can't see it, he's working. Even though I can't feel it, he's working. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness. Even when I feel blind, he's guiding me. He's leading me. He's directing my steps. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for my God is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. How do you face pain? You face it with the Father. You recognize the Father is right there. I want you to see what John Bevere said right out of this video, because I think it's so important and pertinent to our hour right now. I don't think he realized he was preaching a message in 2017 when he preached this that would be more necessary in 2020. That's why I love going back to old messages, because Many times there's prophetic words that are speaking now more than they were speaking back then. Watch what he says. I want you to listen to the words of Job in the light of this video. Job made this statement. He said, look, I go forward, but he, God, is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. Manifest presence. 
when he works on the left hand. So God's there. He's right there working on behalf, just like her dad was right there the whole time. She didn't know it because he wanted her to get strong. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knows where I'm going. Why? Because he planned it. And when he tests me, can I ask a question? Why are we so freaked out about the word test? Can I say this? I flew over the Atlantic Ocean a few weeks ago, and I am so glad the pilot passed the test. Because he and I didn't end up at the bottom of the ocean. Tests only reveal to you what's in you. God said to Israel, I brought you into this wilderness to humble you and test you so that you can know what's in your heart. He knows what's in our heart. We need to find out. Because he's given us a free will and he won't violate and take anything out of us unless we ask. Yeah. When he tests me, I will come forth as pure gold. When I think about pure gold, oh my gosh. You know, did you know that pure gold is actually tender? It's soft, it's pliable, it's not rigid, inflexible. Do you know that gold has a counterpart called brass? Brass looks like pure gold, but you know it tarnishes. Pure gold never tarnishes. Do you know that when you go through God's refining, the world, the atmosphere of the world can't tarnish you? (laughs) Do you know that pure gold, the streets of heaven are made out of it, and the Bible says in its pure state, it's transparent, you can see right through it. Do you realize that when when you come forth as pure gold, they now no longer see you. They see the treasure in you. We need to see more of Jesus in the church. So good. Job's response was exactly the same as Joseph's. Job said, for I've stayed on God's path. I've followed his ways and not turned aside. I've not departed from his commandments, but I've treasured his words more than my daily food. That's what I love about this church. This church treasures the word of God. Always has. But I look at some people today, Christians. I have nothing against social media. My daughter-in-law is around here posting for me right now. But I I don't understand how people can spend two hours on social media and can't even read the word of God for 15 minutes. I just don't get it. Wow. Wow. Job said, I treasured his words more than my necessary food. Just try an experiment. You know, if you don't believe me, just go without eating except on Sundays. Eat one meal, only one meal on Sunday, and do that for four months and tell me how you're doing. You won't be doing very well. You know what's really scary? You know what's really scary? Our body screams when it's hungry. Our spirit does the exact opposite. It gets quieter. So you don't have your spirit screaming, I need the word of God. It just gets quieter. Wow. Okay. I know we're getting close to being out of time, but I've got to finish this message because this is so good. There's about four minutes left of what he's going to say, but I want to say something. We are seeing during this quarantine a rise in the entertainment industry of people watching. I saw in the news this last week the amount of hours viewed on Netflix and Disney Plus and Amazon Prime and TV has skyrocketed. They showed just the uh, what it was in January, what it was in February, and then March, April just went. Same thing with social media. It was normal levels of what it's been the last few years. And then in March, April, social media viewing just went. There's nothing wrong with being on social media. But what we've got to be careful is I wonder what the levels would be with Bible reading and prayer right now for Christians. I wonder if the levels in January and February were like this, and during the quarantine, if it's gone like this, 
or if it's stayed like this, or if in some people's cases it's gone like this because social media is going like this, fear is going like this, anxiety is going like this, watching the news is going like this, Bible reading and prayer. We've got to be careful that in the middle of pain, we're not turning to the wrong sources. And this is what he's saying right here. This is a time to press in. Get in your Bible. Get in prayer. YouTube hours are going like this. How about we turn those YouTube hours into sermons that you're listening to on YouTube, Bible that you're listening to on YouTube, the YouVersion app. I want you to hear what he says, and then I'll close out here. And every day that goes by, it gets less appealing. Why do I sense such an urgency on this message? Because God, you know, in the early 1980s, I saw miracles like you can't believe. I mean, miracles I knew were authentic because I was the pastor's executive assistant. We literally saw people walk in with canes. They were totally blind that walked out seeing. Ambulance backed up to our church. The paramedics rolled out. A guy had less than 24 hours to live. The guy got so miraculously healed, he pushed his gurney out. I mean, we, saw, we had a wall filled with wheelchairs, crutches, and canes, and all the people had gotten hit. I knew they were all true because I'm the pastor's assistant. But then God spoke to me in the midst of all of it and said, I'd give my church a thimbleful of my power to see how she'll handle it. We didn't handle it well. We marketed it. We made money off of it. We used it to promote ourselves. He said, so I'm going to bring my church into a wilderness. Jesus went in filled with the Spirit, but he came out in the power. He said, when my church comes out of the wilderness, she will walk in the greatest measure of my power than ever before. I believe. Whoa. Did you just hear what he said? Three years ago, he said, the church is in a wilderness. The church will go through a wilderness and it will shift things. I said in the last service that it's been like a circumcision during this pandemic, that God is circumcising his church. He's stripping off unnecessary things. He's pulling away things that were picked up in the wilderness that are unnecessary. On the other side of this, revival. We're seeing revival in the middle of it. We're seeing thousands of people get saved. But I believe when we come through this, it's going to only increase. There's going to be a greater return to the presence of God, to the power of God, to the word of God, to the prayer time with God. Come on, if you believe it, say it in the chat right now. Say amen. Preach it, Paul. I'm almost done, but you got to see the rest of this. There's a few minutes left. If you look at David, he's in the deserts for 12 years, but when does the Amalekite steal all of his wives, his men's wives, all their possessions, days before he was anointed to be king of Hebron, days before he just came out of his wilderness, his harvest was just about to come, and now his own men want to stone him. If you look at Jesus, he's tempted by the devil for 40 days, but it's at the end that the real notable temptations happen that are recorded in the Bible. The greatest attack comes just before. I really feel prophetically we're at the very end, and that's when the greatest temptations are going to come. I just want you to be honest. You say, John, I've, I've really not navigated, I've not navigated my refining very well. I'm, I'm actually a little bit more like the children of Israel than I am like Joseph. I've been complaining. I, I've actually been disobeying God because I'm mad at him. He goes into a time right here of altar ministry, and I want to do that right now in your house. I want to I want to just minister to you. I want to pray for you because the question he was saying is, how have you handled the pain? How have you handled the pressure? Have you handled the wilderness season, the quarantine, the shutdown? Have you allowed it to refine you? Have you allowed it to push you closer to God? Or has it developed, like Pastor Furtick said, chains in your life, chains, bad habits, choices you've made. 
This is a time to come back to the grace of God. Come back to the presence of God. Come back to the word of God. Come back in the midst of this pandemic to say, Lord, I need you. And Lord, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to let this pain push me closer to you. If you've wasted some weeks, these last few weeks, this is a week to use with purpose, to get back in your Bible, get back on your knees in prayer, turn on the worship music, maybe take a break for a moment from social media, take a break from some of the things that have been eating at your time and just lean into God. This week, when you're tempted to go back to some old habits, some thoughts you, you've been going back to, some words, some reactions, this is a week to say, Lord, I need your grace and I'm gonna receive it. Right now in your house, if that's you, I want you to just click yes on the prayer chat. Just say yes, pray for me, pray for me. I need this. I need to let God refine me during this time. I need to lean into God. I need God's grace in this hour. Just raise your hand, click your hand right there on the chat. Say, that's me, I needed this message. I've been feeling just frustrated. I felt isolated. I've been wondering where's God, but now in this message, I'm starting to realize he's right there. He's with me, he's gonna guide me, he's gonna help me, he's gonna refine me. He's going to grow my character. He's going to get me stronger to persevere. If you raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me right there in your apartment, your house, your dorm room, your parents' house, wherever you're staying. Just say, Jesus, I surrender. I'm all yours. Even though I can't see you, I believe that you are with me. You are working and you are making all things work together for my good. So Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to seek you. Lord, I'm choosing to be refined during this fire. I'm choosing to let you remold me, renew me. God, work in my mind and my heart. Draw me closer to you. Lord, I pray right now that you would break chains off of people who've been carrying chains of shame, chains of just anger, chains of addictions, that during this time, this would be a refining, a circumcision time. God, that you would make us more like you. Strip off the old. Prepare us for the new normal that you want to bring us into. God, I thank you that the greater days for the church are right in front of us. And I thank you that the best days for every person who's watching are still in front of them. In Jesus' name. 